even though we may have a very clear uh, vision of our aspiration, a clear articulation to ourselves of our aspiration, and we make our efforts to practice that or to get closer to it, to get back on track as often as we can. Often our actions have unintended and unforeseen wholesome consequences. So earlier in the retreat I told you about being invited to by a couple of Burmese women to go and meet their teacher and made the journey to visit with him and in the course of uh, going to meet him the the women had told me about him and his life and lifestyle and they mentioned that uh, he seemed to have uh, psychic powers that he seemed to be able to really really know where people were coming from even without them speaking and often he would uh, surprise people by um, acknowledging something about them or about their uh, dana offering or something that he couldn't have known otherwise and I've seen uh, monks uh, display this kind of uh, capacity of mind not to show off and not to uh, to uh, extol themselves or to uh, inflate themselves, but just really to arouse uh, faith in the listener that uh, someone with uh, purity of intention and purity of lifestyle could really develop a powerful mind that has, well, what we would think of as extraordinary capacity but actually, it's just a natural capacity of the mind, which we have not yet developed, but it's quite natural. So I went to practice with him, and as I mentioned, it was uh, a couple of weeks of solitary practice, and every time I wanted to go out for a walk for a breath of fresh air, he was there to greet me. <laughs> However, he knew, I'm not sure, but... And then uh, on the uh, last day or day, a couple of days of the, my stay there, took me on alms round, and there was just a tremendous outpouring of support for him uh, out of gratitude of his being a presence uh, in the life of that community. And the, the two sisters told me that their mother had been a great devotee and student of his for many, many years and always wanted to offer uh, something of real value to, to him in the monastery. And she always wanted to offer a meditator's kuti, cottage. And uh, no, no, he wouldn't, he wouldn't accept it. He wouldn't, uh, didn't need it. He didn't want to clutter up his forest refuge, hermitage, really, I guess, uh, until just before she was about to pass away, then he agreed and uh, she, he, she was allowed to uh, offer and he accepted her offer of a, a cottage. So when I was visiting there, it was still a very simple um, wooden buildings, uh, no paved walkways, uh, minimal electricity to a couple of buildings, 
and uh, it was just a very, it was like, uh, like at the time of the Buddha, you know, hardly, or nearly. So I was really struck by his, Simplicity and his uh, sincerity and uh, the apparent integrity of his monastic life. There are many uh, monks, uh, Sayadaws, elders uh, in the Burma, Thailand, and often uh, when when they become successful or recognized or uh, become recognized as a teacher or a, a scholar or whatever. They, they just, uh, people flock to them like uh, they're saviors or something and offer them tremendous amount of um, financial support and otherwise. So they sometimes have very elaborate monasteries and pagodas and just, and sometimes it seems very far removed from the lifestyle that the Buddha taught for, of renunciation. Nevertheless, it serves a purpose to inspire people in their devotion and their aspiration, uh, even if they aren't practicing, you know, the, the real work. So sometimes you see a lot of uh, what seems to be ostentatious display of um, recognition. And it was real relief, actually, to see this man, this monk, who was so widely regarded as extraordinary, uh, to see him live still so simply in with minimal uh, worldly accumulation. So I didn't know much about him at the time, but I had been offered a bowl, a monastic, my monk's bowl uh, from Thailand. And it was a stainless steel bowl that was bronzed on the inside. And it had been painted black on the outside, like the lacquer bowls of Burma. So I was eating with, with all the other monks at different tables. There was about a dozen of us. And one day, the Sayadaw had some elder Sayadaws come to eat with him, to visit. And when I got up from eating, you know, having eaten in, with my bowl at the table, and I got up to leave, he called me over to, to his table where the elder monks were sitting. And he said, I wanted to look at my bowl. So he looked at my bowl and showed it around, seemingly approvingly. I don't know, maybe it was like too ostentatious. It was bronzed on the inside, I don't know. But anyway, he looked at it and I thought, oh, he appreciated it. And as is so often with, uh, with monks, when a monk expresses or shows appreciation for something, there's always somebody right there to offer it to him. And so I offered him my bowl. As I thought, he might like it. He said, no, 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 that's your bowl. You keep your bowl. But I knew where there was another one. So I got the other bowl, and within a couple of days, I had it. But it wasn't painted on the outside black. So I talked to the other monks in the monastery and said, what do you do about this? I want to offer it to Sayada. And uh, they said, oh, what we do with metal bowls, most of the bowls in Burma are lacquer. You know, woven bamboo or coiled up bamboo that's lacquered, very shiny, but they break easily. And this was stainless steel. So they said, uh, well, what we have to do is we have to bake on a finish, like a lacquerware finish. But what the finish was, was concentrated sesame oil that they kind of 
painted on and then they heat it up in a like a little oven uh, and they put on seven layers and it comes out looking like lacquer that's like really a glossy lacquer noticeably thick layer and uh, they did it to my bowl also and uh, they did it to his bowl so then I had the opportunity to offer the side the bowl in return he offered me uh, a fan and uh, you know a fan to keep the sun off your head when you go on arms round and uh, a, a carrying strap for my bowl so I have those and those they, they are um, prized attachments from my time from my time as a monk <laughs> uh, so when I returned to the States and, and uh, was here at IMS actually I think even as a monk still maybe I had disrobed I'm not sure uh, they asked me to write an article about my time in Burma so I wrote an article about this monk and it ended up being kind of a long article and it was printed in some IMS uh, newsletter or something and it got sent around and several months after it was printed here I got a, a request from Sri Lanka to uh, publish this article in a little booklet for distribution around the world because I called it uh, a living tradition I really thought that this monk was living in the tradition of the monks from the time of the Buddha it really really felt as clean, as pure, as direct a lineage as I could imagine. And so evidently it got printed and spread around different places. Then uh, it was about uh, ten, 10 years later, 10, 12 years later maybe, I was uh, over at the Forest Refuge doing a retreat, a self-retreat for a month or two. And uh, one day I came out to come to lunch, and uh, I came to lunch, and I came around the corner, and I could see the donors of the meal that day were standing near the serving tables, and uh, they were two Vietnamese women, and one of them was whispering to the other and pointing to me, you know, and I saw that, and I, I didn't, rec- I didn't know who they were, but uh, after the meal, when they were in the kitchen cleaning up I went in to see them to thank them for the for the meal offering and to inquire what the <laughs> hubbub was about so I went in and um, one uh, Vietnamese woman identified the other one as the woman who had raised the funds to build the monastery in Burma and I thought oh that's really nice and then she told me that when she read that article that I'd written, she just got so inspired by the article that she said, that's the monk, that's the one, that's my teacher. So she went to Burma and met him, practiced with him, and because there were now a lot of people coming to his little monastery where he was, he needed a new monastery. He needed a bigger place, bigger meditation hall, dormitories for people to stay in. So she came back to the state, she lives in Maryland, and raised pile of money for buying the land and building the monastery. So then they went to, to Burma and they got the land and built this monastery. And uh, so he, he moved there and uh, he was quite elderly now. He was getting really 
late 80s, mid to late 80s, you know. And um, one time when I took Kamala to Burma for the first time, 10 years ago or so, uh, I went to the old monastery where I used to live, just to see what it was like, see if there was any memories there. And I met one of the translators that used to translate for me, who was a doctor. So I inquired of different monks that I'd known that were there, where's this person, where's this monk, where's that monk? And he said, oh, he's there, he's there, this one passed away, and so and so. And uh, so I asked about uh, this monk, the Shweyumin, Shweyumin Sayadaw, means gold cave hermit Sayadaw. And he said, oh, he's in the hospital. I have to go see him right now. He was going to see him. Do you want to come? So I said, sure, I'll go see. So now it's 10 or 12 years after having spent time with him in his monastery. And now I'm a layman and I have hair and lay clothes on and whatnot. So we go to the hospital and uh, up in the upstairs in his room and the doctor goes in and I follow in behind it. And Saidar's kind of laying, half sitting up in bed, half sitting up in bed. And we come in, we do our bows, and he looked me right in the eye and he says, you're the monk that wrote that article about me. (laughs) How do you know that? I mean, I didn't look anything like, I said, yes, I did. I said, but now I hear that you have this new monastery and you're very busy. I'm sorry if if it announced you to the world (laughs) and made your life more complicated, but he said, no, 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 not, not a problem. So later I went to practice at his monastery where his successor now teaches because he passed away. And his successor is Saido Utejaniya. So he got a lay person because Saido Utejaniya was a, lay, a layman, a businessman. To, to ordain and then empowered him to teach because he'd been a, he'd ordained many times and practiced with him for many, many years. And so there's a, sometimes it's unforeseen what consequences your Dharma efforts will have. But if you undertake your dharma practices with uh, sincerity and a purity of uh, mind and intention, then you can be sure that uh, good and beneficial results will come. 